This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. The information that comes to their mobile devices has to be accurate. It, it can't be rooted in emotion because then detail starts to slide. Hi, welcome to EM Weekly, your emergency management podcast. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And this week we are talking with Steve Oxtaconis. Steve is the founder and president of Alerts USA. Alerts USA is a great way to monitor what's going on in the United States and for that matter, within the world. When Hong Kong was very active, I was getting alerts, you know, all the time about what was going on. And with the coronavirus going on, I'm getting the alerts before it's even hitting the news. Having a tool like this in your emergency operations center or with your IMT is critical. Alerts USA is really easy to use and it's not overwhelming in any way. I'm happy to be able to test this program out and, and really give it a high recommendation. And you know what? At the end of this conversation, Steve even gives out a discount code for EM Weekly listeners. Just a little sneak peek there for you. Well, guys, if you want to join us on Facebook and LinkedIn to keep up with the latest talk on emergency management issues, I'd love to see you there. It's informative and fun. Now on to the interview. Stephen, welcome to EM Weekly. Thank you for the opportunity, Todd. So I, I've had the opportunity to uh, take a look at Alert USA for well, a few few weeks now, and it's it's a great it's a great product, and I think it's something that every emergency manager should have on their phone because it's not invasive, and you're getting up to date information really quickly. I just want to start off by by saying that. So thank you for allowing me to uh, to check out your your tool and to uh, to use it. No problem, and it's alerts a e r t s u s a alerts. Sorry. USA. Yes, it is alerts USA. Yeah, I, I get uh, it's too many things, too many alert stuff floating around in my head right now. So, uh, so I apologize about that. Alerts USA. <laughs> Tell me, like, how does it work? Because man, I'm getting information before it's even hitting the news. So, what we do for the 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 core function of this company is that we monitor threats to the national security of the country. We, in turn, report that information to the subscribers of our service. We are in our 18th year now. Uh, initially started just within months of the events of 9-11 taking place. And um, so while the core competency of the service is uh, monitoring for different terror threats, warnings, advisories, um, related travel alerts to international destinations, um, 
uh, threats to critical infrastructure, things like this. Um, it's kind of expanded out a little bit since then, uh, which we can get into. But um, so we have uh, three different um, uh, arenas of information that we draw from in order to keep our fingers on a pulse of what's going on around the world and in turn be able to report that to our subscribers. One, we maintain relationships with uh, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, the different terrorism fusion centers around the country, and we receive their information products, as they refer to them, about what's going on, their assessments, information sharing programs with the FBI, for instance. Uh, this is one group. And then uh, we also maintain relationships with each of the branches of the armed forces, uh, uh, federal, state, county, municipal law enforcement across the country. This is another arena of information that um, we're exposed to uh, and the information products and our contacts within those agencies and departments. And then the third, uh, we have uh, developed over the years a um, an extent, a very comprehensive system that lets us monitor more than a dozen major social media platforms in more than a dozen different languages. And we are constantly watching for keywords, different phrases um, that uh, uh, call attention to perhaps their um, is an event that has taken place somewhere in the world where there's the a threat that's emerging somewhere in the world, for instance, on Telegram, which is an end-to-end -end encrypted social media platform that has uh, in the past been frequently used by the Islamic State for their different uh, supporters and members to be able to communicate back and forth. Um, so we have our different ways to be able to get into their chat rooms and just monitor what's going on. Um, the different and find, for instance, the different um, uh, propaganda materials, the different training materials that they like to send out. How to make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom, for instance, was the name of one of their uh, publications in the past. Uh, and all of this information we sift through in real time and determine what uh, needs to go out to our subscribers. Uh, in terms of uh, real-time breaking events, we are more likely to find out about uh, a vehicle running uh, outside of Parliament in London or a bomb going off in Paris from Twitter or Facebook than we are from any other source in that these, these applications, somebody invariably, something like this happens or an active shooter situation inside of a mall here in the U.S. or a school being put on lockdown, Immediately, you've got tons of people that reach for the phone, spin up the application, and type it out and send it out into the ether. We monitor all this stuff, and this is how. And then when we see stuff like this taking place in numerous instances of a particular incident being reported, we immediately pick up the phone and contact the nearest police or sheriff's department and find out if there's, in fact, some incident taking place that they're responding to. And once we've been able to verify that there's things happening um, that meet the criteria that we have set uh, for sending out an alert, we then notify our subscribers. And as you've seen, invariably, this is 
easily minutes, but it's most often hours or days before the mainstream media catches up with us. Let's let's unpeel the onion here for a couple seconds here, because a couple minutes ago you said that we get or you get a lot of your information specifically from that social media. And I, I know it's one of the things that as emergency managers, not just in that crime type of thing, like such an active shooter, but even like with, um, uh, say, fire movement during uh, fire season when we're due to evacuations, social media has really become a a primary source of intelligence gathering. Am, am I correct on that? Absolutely, it is. It's a it's a force multiplier, as opposed to um, uh, somebody like a nine one one call center. If we didn't have social media, or prior to social media, fires breaking out in different places and so on, you would have um, people making phone calls to police and fire departments. Uh, different emergency management groups and so on. Um, and uh, modern telephony is fantastic in that regard, but when you have the ability for tens of thousands of people in a particular area uh, to uh, provide information in real time and share it out there, it provides a, a wildly powerful platform for intelligence gathering and for um, first responders, different emergency management organizations to, uh, for instance, the ability to map tweets um, and see a cluster of them in any particular area uh, to be able to get a jump on where the fire might be breaking out next. Um, it's, it's, it's wildly popular in this regard, and there's new stuff that keeps coming out all the time to be able to leverage that data stream. And so, yes, um, I agree. It's, it's powerful. It's powerful for, all, for us to be able to keep track of what's going on around the world. And that when we first started, we didn't have that. And it was, you know, it's worlds um, more difficult to do what we were doing back then you know, compared to now. So one more domestic thing I want to just kind of talk about. So I told the story before, but I, one day I came home from work and there was a police presence and helicopters flying and, um, you know, I, I was talking to my neighbors and nobody really knew exactly what was going on. And I jumped on that next door app to, uh, to see what was going on. And there were some, some rumors flying around there about what was going on. It ended up being that there was a gentleman who was distraught. He was a truck driver, drove a truck to the end of our neighborhood, which is, we really don't see trucks over here. And, uh, he walked up into the Hills and he was, uh, uh, he was going to commit suicide. That was what they were doing, looking for him. And, uh, the, to, to give the uh, the end of the story here is he they did find him the next day um, he did not commit suicide they were able to get him help so that's that's the good thing but the the information that was coming out from the police department was very slow to uh, to give out and it was next door that actually was filling people in uh, about what was going on so just to kind of give you that micro you know level of of how social media works and now to bring it back to, over to you guys. You guys are sort of doing that scraping of all those uh, social media um, uh, threads um, and more to really get a, a solid intelligence report to the people who are using the app so they can actually start making uh, decisions. Am, am I off on that? <clears throat> you're, 
heading in the right direction. And so as you've seen from the alerts that we send, um, <clears throat> we always try to uh, underperform in, or underpromise and overdeliver. Uh, and so we are very hesitant, for instance, in let's say that there's a, uh, a mass shooting incident at a mall or at a train station over in Europe or something like that. Uh, uh, we will always, uh, we, we use tremendous caution in what we put into the alerts that we send. Um, we try uh, to be very conservative in terms of uh, uh, reporting on numbers of deaths and or casualties in general, because the numbers always change. And, uh, uh, but getting out the key information that, yes, there was a mass stabbing at uh, police headquarters in Paris, uh, and there's a number of casualties and so on, or the U.S. Embassy has issued a cautionary message to American citizens in this particular place saying, stay away from the area, keep a low profile. Um, the solid stuff that we can confirm is what goes out in our SMS messages. Um, and that comes from the scraping as you referred to it, um, our powers of clairvoyance were lost as children. And so we, <laughs> we, we have to be very careful about um, what we put in because uh, there are occasions where the alerts that we send out result in, for instance, uh, large numbers of resources being deployed. And uh, we have to just, in that regard, because putting out something, an errant message that's incorrect and so on could result in a lot of money being spent that shouldn't have been spent. And so, uh, <clears throat> and not wanting to needlessly worry people. Uh, and so we always try to you know, be very controlled about what we put out there. I'll give you a real world um, example of, of what happened with um, the alerts USA. I'm uh, sitting I think it's at my house, and I get an alert talking about missiles over in Saudi Arabia hitting some of the oil refineries, and I immediately called a friend of mine who works over there, and I said, hey, man, I said, are you getting these missile attacks? And he was actually here in the States, um, oddly enough, and he goes, no, he goes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm traveling right now. I said, well, dude. I said, I don't know if you get anything on the news there in the airport, but um, you need to check this out. And uh, I sent him the um, a copy of what I got from from you guys, and that was the first he heard of it. And he then changed his plans and had to go back to Saudi Arabia to to work that event. So I mean, that's how real time that this 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 information is. It's not old information. It's it's um, it's up to date. It's as a matter of fact, it's. Like I said before, it's getting out there before the media is even even touching it. Yeah, one of the best examples we have of this was back um, uh, when the Fukushima accident took place. Uh, our subscribers were some of the first in the country to learn, one, that there was a big earthquake over there. And, but they learned, Lurch subscribers learned two days before it was even mentioned in the mainstream media that uh, there were meltdowns taking place two full days beforehand. And we found out from somebody in the State Department that called us 
and told us, um, and they found out because the Department of, they were called by, so I guess the Japanese government was talking to people at the U.S. Embassy. U.S. Embassy was in touch with the State Department. The State Department was in touch with people at the Department of Energy. And the information got back to us a full two days beforehand that they were expecting at least one, if not two, of the reactors to melt down. And um, But we get lots of instances like that where you know people are finding out about things that are taking place from us again, before it comes out in the mainstream media. And it's, to be completely honest, part of it is because of our ability to sift and find out what's going on. But another part of it is that um, the editorial process with news outlets is, a, is very controlled. And um, uh, that, that funnel that they have to go through and the clogs in the machine, the media machine that the information has to go through before it gets ultimately put up on a prompter and then uh, spoken about on TV or on radio, something like that, that, uh, that can really back up in certain instances until they have actual people on the ground that are, you know, chatting with law enforcement or chatting with different emergency management personnel and so on. And so all of these things combined give us an edge in terms of time. And if we, another really good example was the, um, uh, the shooting at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. Our subscribers were informed that there was something going on while the shooting was still taking place. And uh, people finding out about it, our customers were finding about it, out about it when we were in other casinos on the strip in Las Vegas. That was a pretty surreal night there. And, and information like that, I mean, is, is really important, especially if you were another casino and you had this information coming on and before it was hitting the media that you could start taking protective actions in your own, uh, in your own area. Right. Absolutely. You know, and this cuts to the core on one of the primary reasons that we started the company in the first place. So on September 11th, the first plane flew into, I think it was the South tower. The people in the North tower had no clue what had happened. They knew there was a fire and explosion and so on, but they didn't know that it was caused by a plane barreling into the side of the building. And over the PA system in the building, they told the people to return to their desks and there was no need to evacuate. And a lot of people lost their lives because of that. And this was one of the primary um, motivations for a partner and I to um, spin up the business in the first place is that uh, had there been anybody that was, uh, or had the service been in existence, we could have, at least for our subscribers, notified them, hey, you know, told them what was going on and uh, um, they have a much better chance of making an informed decision as opposed to listening to direction over the PA system. And this is... Um, this has proven to be true on a number of occasions over the past 18 years where we've gotten information out that contradicts what's um, being put out by the media and in turn resulting in either resources being deployed, lives are being saved um, uh, in a more timely fashion because of, uh, of uh, our ability to get the information out uh, 
accurate information in a timely fashion. Well, Steve, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get a little bit more into your background because I find it fascinating and to um, how you guys are using intelligence in your product. Emergencies happen, whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Welcome back from that quick break, and uh, thank you so much for listening to our sponsor, because without them, we really couldn't bring you the quality uh, programming that we're bringing you here today. And I'm really excited about talking about Alerts USA, because I've been using it, and it's it's a really great product. Um, I highly recommend uh, that you go in, and we're going to have their information here at the end in the show notes, so you can find it. And so, yeah, go to it, sign up today. Um, you, you won't you won't regret this. So, Steve, tell me a little bit about your background in your partner's background because they're both uh, it's extraordinary. So my background, uh, I studied physics and computer science in my university studies. Uh, most of my, the first half of my professional career was spent uh, doing work in high performance computer simulation, um, uh, computational field simulation as it's called, uh, using uh, uh, high performance computing platforms to simulate uh, different types of physical phenomenon. Um, an example would be, um, airflow around the outside of a heavy lifting body uh, during ascent or um, uh, coolant flow through the inside of a radiator that would go into an automobile or the dispersion of inhaled medications. Um, you can numerically simulate these types of physical processes. The particular place that where I excelled uh, was in the visualization of that data. So high performance computer graphics as well as in the, the, the design and application of different what are called head-mounted displays. So from, ranging from the uh, helmet-mounted displays that uh, pilots would use in high-performance aircraft through to what now is um, uh, commonly referred to as virtual and augmented reality. Um, majority of the work that I did in this area, which kind of fed into um, starting this business was for the defense and intelligence community. There's a variety of different applications and information display, for instance, dismounted soldier applications uh, to providing um, war fighters um, in the field with actionable information, helping them uh, uh, understand and make sense of uh, data coming from different sensor platforms. Uh, being able to uh, know the whereabouts of different team members, uh, being able to share different information amongst your squad and so on. So application of these technologies that I've been discussing for those types of applications. And this all led the context that I established um, in the course of doing this stuff has all contributed to uh, uh, what was originally Alert USA when we founded it. Um, I've always, always been entrepreneurial, uh, grew up in a family 
that fostered that that mentality. And so when I saw the opportunity to stop working for somebody else and to um, state my own um, my own attempt at building a business, that I took it and just started applying um, a lot of the contacts and the knowledge on how to work within the Beltway in DC uh, to leverage points of contact and different information um, uh, sources. And here we are. So, so the, the thing I think is interesting about your company, it's not like you have a bunch of quants sitting in a, in an office looking at numbers on the, on the screen. You actually have uh, employees that understand uh, human intelligence and physical intelligence and, and kind of, help put these packages together. And I find that is uh, really uh, unique in, in this space. And I do appreciate uh, that part of it. You know, that's one of the challenges that uh, we face with this business is that it's very difficult to just hire um, someone off the street uh, because of the subject matter. Uh, you, emotion can't play a part in the assessments of the information, um, the crafting of a 160 character text message that is ultimately sent out to untold thousands of people. Uh, you know, we serve each of the branches of the armed forces and um, the information that comes to their mobile devices has to be accurate. It, it can't be rooted in emotion <laughs> because then detail starts to slide and accuracy starts to slide. And so uh, in any of the hires that we have at any level of the organization for any position, they've got to have a background um, in either the intelligence or defense arenas uh, or, emergency, or emergency management, just so that um, that particular aspect is understood. And is, it's understood about um, uh, uh, what goes into a police response to an active shooter situation or something like that. Um, having a little bit of knowledge about uh, that is is powerful. Having no knowledge of how all of this rolls out, uh, uh, that can be very problematic. And so um, we're very, very uh, careful about uh, who we bring on board. If you could say one thing to all of the emergency managers in the world right now, what would it be? The most valuable asset that you have is information. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm preaching to the choir on this one, uh, but uh, 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 leverage as many information assets as you have. Um, more information leads to increased situational awareness. Increased situational awareness uh, directly contributes to uh, a proper response to a situation. Uh, I genuflect in the direction of your audience in that uh, um, we're just, we just generate information, but it's the actual uh, emergency managers at all levels and the first responders that, uh, that are really the, the phenomenal heroes <laughs> in, in responding to different things um, that we would report on. And um, uh, so that there's there's ideas forming in my head as I'm talking here. Another is uh, although 
since President Trump has come into office, we've seen a uh, a reduced tempo of domestic terrorism. Uh, understand that this threat has not gone away. Uh, they're getting more effective in uh, a lot of the restrictions that uh, were on police departments and at the federal level on rolling people up. Um, a lot of the political correctness that went into uh, um, monitoring different groups and individuals have been put to the side. And a lot of the low-hanging fruit is being rolled up on a weekly basis. I would encourage your, it, to get a better understanding of, um, you know, we were talking about this before the recording, you know, it, while it's not covered much inside of the mainstream media, I would encourage your listeners to go to the news page of the Department of Justice website where they list all of the people that are being arrested for different um, major crimes and uh, look at the number of people that they're picking up on a weekly basis uh, that the case is somewhere related to terrorism offenses. Um, this threat is still very real and the need for um, the emergency management uh, crowd to stay um, vigilant and in touch with federal partners, for instance, joining InfraGuard, which is the information sharing partnership that operates between the FBI and industry uh, that cover, I think it's the 14 different areas of critical infrastructure, um, staying active or joining that group and then staying active with them so yet you understand where there are emerging threats. Uh, it's because as we discussed, the while the the threat is somewhat changing, the ability of the foreign terrorist organizations to carry out complex uh, overseas operations, that's been greatly diminished. But in the process of smashing those groups, the pieces have gone all over the world. A lot of the foreign fighters have returned to Europe and they're not being picked up. And anybody that uh, from any of the uh, EU nations can get onto a plane and fly to the US as easy as you going outside and stepping into a taxi. There's no visa requirements, anything like that. Um, uh, we've got a lot of them that come back into this, have come back into this hemisphere. The country in this hemisphere that has provided more foreign fighters to what took place in Iraq and Syria uh, from this hemisphere, you'd be surprised to know that most of them came from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, really? Absolutely. And uh, matter of fact, last year during Carnival, um, pipe hitters from Southern Command teamed up with law enforcement in Trinidad and Tobago, and they went and kicked in a bunch of doors and rolled up a cell that was getting ready to carry out an attack on the U.S. Embassy in Trinidad during Carnival. A uh, number of years ago, there was a plot to bomb the fuel lines uh, that ran around uh, JFK Airport in New York. That, the cell, uh, a cell in Trinidad, uh, was spinning up that plot. There's been a bunch of them that have come out of there. But, um, I don't know. I'm rambling on here, but <laughs> that threat is not uh, is not gone by a country mile. Right. 
So what, um, what, in, what like domestic and we're, we're getting close here to the end and I just want a couple questions I really need to get in and, and what domestic, um, uh, group do you have more concern about? Like, is it the alt-right or is it the Antifa? Uh, hands down, far and away, the the different left-leaning groups. Now, while the mainstream media will put in front that it's, you know, it's the conservative groups, the alt-right, the uh, white supremacists, and so on, they're not the ones, in most instances, that are out um, demonstrating, tearing up property, attacking people in the streets, and so on. It's the left-leaning groups, like Antifa that it managed to show up at all of the major protests and so on and just stir up a lot of trouble. That's one of the, the primary um, threat groups domestically. Uh, uh, in terms of uh, large-scale carnage, like you would see at the different demonstrations and engaging with the police and all that and the different violent acts, uh, um, the, the different groups that are, for instance, carrying out attacks on and vandalizing mosques or carrying out attacks on synagogues and Jewish community centers, both here in the U.S. as well as in Europe, they're also a pretty big problem right. as well. And growing uh, as well. The, the amount of anti-Semitism that's creeping up, which I just I can't get my head around that. Um, it doesn't make sense why that crops up the way it does, um, you know. But well, we're, what we're, a strange time to live in. No kidding. All right, we're coming to uh, to our our our, uh, our hard stop here. Um, I, how do we get? In, how do we find you? And how do we buy your product? So uh, the service it's it's a straight ninety nine dollars per year per mobile device. If you go to our website, alerts usa.com a-l-e-r-t-s usa.com uh, you can subscribe to the service there if you enter in the the coupon so during checkout if you enter in the coupon code uh, em weekly you'll get uh, that 99 dollars price drops down to 75 dollars per mobile device per year oh, that's great and it's just as simple as that uh, you can also visit our if you want to take a little bit of time and see the types of alerts that we send out, you can also go to threatjournal.com, which is our weekly newsletter. You can sign up for it for free there. Watch it for a few weeks, see the type of stuff that we report on. We summarize every week's alerts that go out inside of that weekly newsletter that comes out every Saturday. And that'll give you a, um, a really good grasp as to our view of what's been taking place over the previous seven days. Um, so, and we also do a weekly podcast, which you can also access through the newsletter. And, and it's an audio summary that goes out every Saturday as well about uh, the, the most important stories from that preceding week. 
And we'll make sure all those links are down in the show notes because I know you're driving or your pencil's not sharp and we want to make sure that you get that information. So direct links will be down there. And Stephen, thank you so much for, for giving the audience that, uh, that discount, um, on, on your product. And again, I'm, I'm a user. Um, I really highly recommend it. If you have an EOC or an instant management team, or if you're doing planet intelligence for anything, you really need to have this in because it, it, it pops up quickly. You see it, it comes on your phone and it's, it's like I said, it's, it's very timely. So Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for giving that discount. Todd, I graciously appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about the service. Thank you for listening to this episode of EM Weekly. And please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. And also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you're looking for more information and more emergency management type podcast, check out sitchradio.com because there's a full laundry list over there. See you next week.